Hello and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information services partner for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools, and data that helps power their emerging markets business strategies. The focus of today's conversation is our 2016 regional outlook for Sub-Saharan Africa. I am Mark McNamee, analyst for Central and Eastern Europe at Frontier Strategy Group, and I will be moderating today's conversation with Anna Rosenberg, head of Sub-Saharan Africa Research. Anna, welcome, and thanks for joining me for this discussion. Hi, Mark. It's a pleasure to talk to you today. So, Anna, there have been some troubling developments affecting many emerging markets in recent months, which have also, of course, affected Sub-Saharan Africa. But before we talk about these in detail, could you summarize what your latest outlook for the region is all about? Sure. As you know, Mark, the past year has seen dramatic volatility in major African markets facing large downward revisions in GDP growth. This current volatility makes it very difficult for companies to plan, to adjust targets and pick the best markets to invest in over the next several years. Our regional outlook on Sub-Saharan Africa, which is published every six months, looks at what's in store for the continent for the next several months to enable our clients to plan ahead and adjust targets in this critical planning season that they're all in right now. Okay, so let's start from the macro level, from the 30,000-foot view. From a very high level, what is FSG's view on Sub-Saharan Africa? Despite short-term risks, Sub-Saharan Africa remains on a strong growth trajectory because of various mega-trends that are too strong to be significantly derailed by short-term developments. However, 2016 will likely be another volatile year for many markets in the region. We expect a new wave of currency depreciation, unfortunately, especially if the if the Fed hikes rates now later in the year, low commodity prices, and a subdued global outlook to put pressure on many economies. Okay, so historically, my question is, Sub-Saharan Africa has often been affected by short-term volatility. And we at FSG have always emphasized to our clients, of course, that the continent's growth trajectory is one that will span several years, if not decades. But keeping that in mind, before we talk about the more troubling short-term outlook, can you summarize briefly FSG's long-term view then on Sub-Saharan Africa? Yes. So Sub-Saharan Africa is not an easily accessible gold mine. It has never been. But the region still continues on its strong growth trajectory at around 3 to 4% in 2016. And this is going to pick up to about 5% in subsequent years. The region isn't falling off the map. Sub-Saharan African markets remain the second fastest growing region in the world right now, which is actually quite a notable achievement if we take into consideration that every market, most, most markets out there right now are suffering. Not every market, but quite a few of them. The key question is, what is driving the overall positive outlook in Sub-Saharan Africa? There are a handful of critical drivers that are responsible for the region's long-term socioeconomic developments. And as I mentioned before, they are unlikely to be derailed by short-term volatility. Let me just highlight a few of them. So we are seeing economic diversification across economies. And that's a trend that is going to be increasingly important next year because governments, especially in oil and commodity exporting markets, are suffering. They have to accelerate diversification away from natural resources. We're seeing growing consumer spending from an increasingly large population over the last few years. Then there is high levels of foreign investment from Western companies, but also emerging market-based companies, African companies. 
And these, uh, these companies are rushing in to take advantage of still largely underserved markets. Then there are drivers that are contributing to improving the business environment. And the most important one of them is, of course, infrastructure expansion, because that is happening at a fast pace and primarily paid for by high levels of government spending. I really want to highlight um, the importance of these drivers, Mark, because they are going to help multinationals make the case to corporate should they hear um, some negative news coming out of sub-Saharan Africa in the next few weeks, as we have already seen coming out earlier in the year. Indeed. And as in other volatile emerging markets right now, it's all about ensuring your strategy is long-term and adjusted on a regular basis to, to correspond with changing market realities, of course. But now let's talk about the shorter term to the medium term. What is your outlook for the next year to two years? So there have been fundamental developments in the last few months that are changing the nature of growth in sub-Saharan Africa. The most important one is cheap oil. Oil prices have plummeted to record levels for many different reasons. And this has negatively affected sub-Saharan Africa's largest energy exporting markets as well as currencies. Then there is the slowdown in China. Many markets in the region have deep trade ties to China, especially copper exporters, and the slowdown in China has severely affected the markets that sell commodities to China, such as South Africa and Zambia. There's currency volatility, as we have discussed, many, many emerging markets have experienced dramatic levels of currency depreciation earlier in the year, but sub-Saharan African markets are affected by this because of external global reasons, but also because of internal dynamics. This external environment has affected government spending differently. We have energy importing markets that have increased their budgets because suddenly you see that oil prices have gone down, which has meant for them that the, lower, the, the usually most expensive item on their import bill, which is fuel, has become much, much cheaper, which has allowed them to increase spending in other areas. But oil exporters have, of course, had to slash their budget substantially. But all of these different drivers that I've just outlined have affected consumer spending negatively across the board. That's because consumers are suffering as their currencies have lost value, as inflation has increased, and as taxes have been rising again. And that's primarily because governments in energy importing markets have been very clever, because for the most part, they haven't passed down the cheaper cost of fuel. They've removed subsidies or they've increased taxes, not allowing those savings to trickle down. So that means that consumers right now at the present are squeezed everywhere. Now, that is going to, of course, look very differently when we look at the several next years, where likely consumers in oil exporting markets are not going to be as prosperous as consumers in energy importing markets once that the government spending trickles down into development. So moving down from this macro level, how has this affected growth then in the region's largest markets? Well, the answer is very differently. Commodity export markets have, of course, been worst hit, as I was alluding to. Angola's GDP has been revised downward dramatically from about 6% to about 3% for 2016, simply because the country's economy relies heavily on revenues from oil exports. Also, the country is not very well diversified overall, so it is much more exposed to the lower oil price than, for example, Nigeria. Nigeria still has suffered, of course, and again, we have revised down GDP growth forecasts for 2015 from about 6 to about 3% this year. But the country is, in fact, much more resilient from within and diversified than Angola. Plus, it has just gone through a notable democratic transition, which is going to bode well for the country's future. 
South Africa, which in theory should benefit from low oil prices, has many internal economic problems, which is affecting the market significantly. And thus, we have revised downward GDP growth even below the 1.5% we were forecasting earlier. It's now at around 1.3%. But to talk about a more positive story, energy importing markets in East Africa are doing very well. Kenya, um, even though its currency is still suffering from depreciation, is growing at above 5%. Ethiopia between 7 to 8%. So quite a positive story coming out of that. Okay, so now let's move from the national level to the regional level. How do you see the different subregions performing uh, next year in 2016? So as mentioned, East Africa is going to be the star performer because it benefits from the low oil price and because of a lot of commercial activity and diversification that is currently going on there. West Africa is better off next year than it was later than it was last year. Um, just remember Ebola, but then also the looming Nigerian elections, which could have ended very badly. Nigeria is in a better spot, and some markets in Francophone West Africa, such as Ivory Coast, that has just come out of a peaceful election, are doing very well. In fact, Ivory Coast is, is the fastest growing region right now in I think the whole EMEA portfolio. Um, and also, many markets in Francophone West Africa, their currencies are packed to the euro, which means that they are experiencing much less depreciation. So while some countries are performing better than others, overall, the macroeconomic environment that you described earlier, it's affecting all markets, at the very least through currency volatility. So bearing in mind the effects of the low oil price, the currency volatility, the slowdown in China that we've seen in the short term, will markets normalize in the next few months? No, unfortunately, the key thing in the story is that these trends will shape sub-Saharan African markets for the next few years. The growth in China is going to slow further, very likely, and affecting the markets that are very linked to it more. Oil is going to likely remain cheap for at least three years. And there's just much more supply than there is demand right now in the market. And currency depreciation isn't over. The U.S. is still going to hike interest rates probably not just once, but several times throughout the year, which is going to see more currencies depreciate um, against the dollar and against the euro. So keeping this context in mind, our clients will, of course, be asking, which are the markets that are going to be strong enough, resilient enough to weather the storm then? Exactly. And to answer this question, we have just created a resilience to external shock index that we're going to be releasing to our clients in the next few weeks. The index measures the resilience of African markets to external shocks. It measures how strong markets are from the inside to weather these external shocks. So it looks at the vulnerability of currencies, exposure to China, exposure to a potential slowdown in Europe, which is still a likelihood levels of economic diversification, but also a quality of governance, political stability, and more importantly, the size of the internal markets. These indicators are proxies that allow us to understand overall resilience. And the results of the index are striking because they bring to the surface evidence for a trend that we have already been witnessing for, for the last few months. Clearly, East African markets are performing better than many others, while Francophone West African markets are fairly resistant as well. Nigeria, interestingly, also ranks fairly strongly, strongly in our index, despite its exposure to oil. That is fascinating. Before we release a report on this, could you summarize both the results and the key takeaways from the index for our clients? The results of the index show us that for the most part, our clients are already doing business in the right markets. The key story here now is, Mark, that the fastest growing markets are for the most part now also the most resilient markets. That's the story of the African opportunity for the next few years. 
it's not any longer the frontier markets of the continent, the Congos, the Mozambiques or the Angolas that are the fastest growing. It's now the more resilient, more diversified markets. And that means that growth is going to be sustainable in those markets. The current downturn doesn't mean our clients have placed their bets incorrectly. However, it is a call to action. It means multinationals can't be complacent and have to act now to adapt strategies to the new normal to win in this market. And can you give us a sense of what these strategies would actually look like? What on the ground do our clients need to do? For one, it's time to reprioritize your markets, taking these long-term trends and resilience into consideration. Potentially, it's about shifting focus towards the more resilient markets or monitoring less resilient markets more closely and implementing contingency plans. It may also just be the right time to make more strategic investments in key markets given that currencies are low and assets cheaply priced. And we have indeed seen more companies invest in in manufacturing as well as acquiring their distributors right now. There are several strategies companies can implement and we will talk more about this in our upcoming report, which we're going to release later in the year. Thank you, Anna. These are fascinating insights and we've received a lot of interest from our clients for this index, and I'm sure they're looking forward to our upcoming deeper analysis on this topic. So with that, we're at time. Thank you for this very interesting conversation. If you have any questions, please send us an email at info at frontierstrategygroup.com. You can also go to our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com and access any of our resources on demand. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to us today, and good luck in your emerging markets.